and Advent leads towards what? Christmas. That's right. Uh, and one of the things that I think is interesting about, about Christmas is I feel like each and every year, especially as I get older, Christmas just seems to, like, you'd think, like, the older you get, it gets worse. Christmas gets worse because you're not, like, getting fun toys and stuff. You're getting, like, boring socks and, and other things like that. But I feel like Christmas just keeps getting more and more and more, bigger and bigger and bigger. Like, we bought a house, and all of a sudden, like, I feel the pressure of our neighborhood who goes ham at decorating things to decorate our house. So here's a picture of our house. No, I'm just kidding. That's not our house. That would be crazy if that was our house. I didn't, um, but the decorations that go up, there's a house in our, in our uh, neighborhood that has so many lights. Like if we lived across the street from it, I think I could see in every room in my house like with all of our lights turned off. It's incredible how many lights they have. Um, I feel like the food gets bigger. If you were here on Sunday, you saw like Trav showed a picture of all those cookies at, at the party that he went to. Like there's just not one type of cookie. There's a million Christmas cookies out there. The trees... I feel like the decorations, like the trees get bigger and bigger and bigger and, and fancier. Is there a picture of trees? Did I take that out? I took that out. Oh, yeah. Look at, I just Googled pretty trees and then I picked one that I liked. Um, I, I feel like that, that's my living room. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, and then the gifts, the presents. I was looking uh, for a present um, the other day and I Googled like, like a white elephant gift or I was like, cool gifts under $20 or, you know, something like that. And I got to this Amazon list, and it was just like preposterous things that no one could ever need, but like seemed cool initially, right? So like the first one I saw was a blanket that makes you look like a burrito. No, no, no. See, looks, seems cool initially, but ultimately you just have an ugly blanket that looks like dirty all the time. Like that's ultimately what you're going to have. Like it's gross. And then the next thing I saw, again, seems interesting initially, flashlight gloves. Why would you need those? Like 99% of people have no functional use for their pointer finger to be a flashlight. You could just hold the flashlight. It's not that hard. But no, no, these gloves, like hands-free lights, it's crazy. Pew, 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 pew. Like it doesn't make any sense. But, but these things are making it onto like top 10 gifts for under $25 this year. In fact, as like an experiment, this morning I went to Target and I walked around and I just bought random stuff that like seemed kind of cool and I was like maybe this could be kind of fun to just give some stuff away maybe somebody who didn't get a present earlier I don't believe that all you people didn't get present did you not get one Abby oh I won't give you that one all right so I got so we'll start off simple I just got some candy canes who likes you like candy canes kid all right Kate gets the candy canes I also, you don't even know what you're raising your hand for. I got, it's a Santa hat that is Santa's head. Hey, guys, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Does anybody like peeps, like at Easter time? They make peep trees. It's unbelievable. Why would anybody want those? They're disgusting. And then finally, this is the one that I feel like I need somebody who's going to like have a good like reason to like explain this to their parents. I may or may not have bought a four foot tall inflatable baby Yoda. 
I already gave you something. Go sit down. Go sit down. Wow, that's a good trade. He, he offered me a gift in return. <laughs> hey, 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 sit down, sit down, sit down. That was the last thing. That was the last thing. No, that wasn't. <laughs> it was like, it was close. All right. I feel like you guys just proved my point, which is we get so excited for these things that if you actually think about it, are useless. They're crap. All of that stuff I just gave you, all the stuff we looked in the pictures, like, what are you going to do with that? You're going to put it outside for a two, three, maybe weeks of the year, and that's it if your parents let you. I just gave you a lawn inflatable. Like, who knows? Like, they might be like, no, we don't do inflatables. Like, it's candy canes that are going to melt or get, like, crumbled up and stepped on in five minutes out here in the, in the stands. It's a sweet Santa hat that you're only going to get to wear for a little bit of the year. It looks good on her, though. It looks nice. My point is that Christmas, each and every year, we decorate more, we bake more, we buy, and we buy, and we buy more. But as we've been studying, as we've been studying in Advent, that's not what Advent is leading to. That's not what Christmas is about. It's what it's become. It's what it's so hard to get dis distracted. I mean, it's so easy to get distracted by. It's what it's become, but that is not what it's about. We've been in the book of, we're going to be in um, Hebrews, and we've been talking about this idea that Jesus came to fulfill three roles, right? Prophet, priest, and finally tonight we're going to look at king. And as we look at these roles, in the Old Testament, each of these positions, each of these jobs, each of these roles had a specific purpose, right? The purpose of the prophet was to bring God's word to people, right? That was how people, like they didn't read the Bible, they heard the Bible spoken, they heard God's word said aloud. The priest was to provide purification because people were unholy, but God was holy. So if you wanted to be in the presence of a holy God, you needed to go through the priest because you, me, everybody else is too unholy to be in his presence. And the king, the king's responsibility was rescuing God's people and providing wise and just rule over those people. And so as we dive into this third thing, the, uh, this third role that Jesus fulfills, this idea of, of kingship. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 1, the first few verses. But before we start reading it, there's something important that the, that the hearers and the readers of Hebrews would have known uh, that, that we need a little bit of fill-in context for. So the, the, the letter of Hebrews is written, the audience it was written to is a Jewish audience who are recent converts to following Jesus. And and their recent conversion to Jesus has led them to hardships, to suffering, to pain. They, they, they don't know exactly why it feels like this. And so at the, at the immediate facing of these troubles, of being a Christian, of what it looks like to follow Jesus, they turn, they run, they flee back to what was comfortable, back to what they know. And so this is the people who are hearing this letter. 
People running to the wrong things for comfort in the face of hardship, in the face of difficulty. And I feel like we can all relate to that. We face something difficult. We face something hard. It's so easy to turn and walk away from it, to flee from it, to run back to something that we know, even if we know that thing is not always right or good. In a world full of easy comfort, easily attained satisfaction, if you just turn a blind eye to the future, the author of Hebrews wants us to know that Jesus is better. He wants us to know that anything you can think of to turn and run towards, that Jesus is better. And to prove his point, he starts out from the very beginning, chapter 1, by going at and, and showing just who Jesus is better than. And it's probably not somebody who you might think. He's thinking about angels. He keeps talking. He brings them up over and over again in the first eight, nine verses of Hebrews, talking about the angels, saying, you, angels who are respected, angels who are so important to a Jewish audience hearing this, who know the Old Testament like the back of their hand, Angels who are mentioned over a hundred times in the Old Testament, who are, play important roles in big biblical stories of Moses, of Lot, of Jacob, of Hagar, of Gideon. It goes on and on and on. Angels, the word which comes from the same base word as wind or spirit, they are literally spirit servants of God, messengers of God who are often when they come up in the Old Testament, given the powers of God himself to use as God's representatives. These are respected, these are feared creatures. And the writer of Hebrews starts off by saying that you think angels are, are great, that they're powerful, but Jesus is better. Let's look at the first few verses there of Hebrews chapter 1. Starts off, long ago... At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Next slide. We'll go five through seven. For to which of the angels, I love this. It's like Jesus is so much better than the angels. To which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. These first seven verses, if you were going to summarize them, you would say that Jesus is better than even the angels that people were thinking are, are, are almost the pinnacle of what you could be following God, being a servant of the Lord but even these, Jesus is better. In verse 4, he said he was, they were, he, Jesus is much superior. He says that the angels are called to worship him, to do his bidding. Jesus is set apart above even the angels. Hebrews wants us to know 
Whatever it is you're feeling, whatever it is you're going through, whatever situation you find yourself in, that you feel like the options you have left are to turn from God, are to run back towards something that you know, even if you know that that something is not good for you. Even the angels, the author of Hebrews says, he wants you to know, he wants you to remember that Jesus is better. The second thing that Hebrews wants us to know is that Jesus is ruler. In verse 1 and 2, it started off by speaking with authority, right? That even uh, the used, God used to use the prophets, but now he speaks through the Son. He speaks through Jesus. In verses 6 and 7, again, the angels are called to worship him. They are his servants to command. Jesus is better. Jesus is ruler. And third, Jesus is king. In verse 2, he was appointed heir of all things. And in verse 3, it says he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And if we jump ahead to verse 8, which we read 1 through 7, going ahead to 8, we see where he sat down. And we see three things that are often associated with kings that, the, that they put in here to really draw your attention to this fact that Jesus is a king. And he's a king because he's got a throne He's got a scepter and he was anointed, right? But this, of the son, he says in verse 8, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has appointed you, anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. He's got a throne and that throne is forever and ever. And on that throne, it's not just to the right hand of God, but he sits as God himself. He's got a scepter. Uprightness is the scepter of the kingdom. And as we know from verse 3, his power, this scepter represents, is over all things. He is the heir to all things. He is king forever. He is king for over all. And he was anointed. The anointing ceremony of doing the oil on the forehead, over the head, traditional ceremony that, makes the, that marks the king as accepted and appointed ruler of God who speaks for God, who speaks, in Jesus' case, as God. And at Christmas, we look to Jesus' birth, right? On Christmas Eve, we're all going to come to church and we're going to be in that manger. We're going to be with those shepherds in the field. We're going to be with the wise men, right? We're going to be in that Christmas story that we know so well of Jesus' birth. His arrival to the world as a baby, not as a king with a throne, holding a scepter, anointed, looking jacked, ready to take on all of Israel's enemies, as people were expecting, but as a baby in a manger. He was not what people were expecting. He was not what people were hoping for. He was not what people were waiting for. And yet, from even the beginning of that Christmas story that we read every single year, that we probably know so well, they name him as king. If we go to Luke chapter 1, verse 32, we see that this is an angel, right? Messenger, the people we just learned, everyone reveres so much, and yet Jesus is better than, comes to Mary, is the one who tells Mary that she is pregnant, that who, what her baby, uh, that she's going to have a baby, who her baby is going to be. And the angel says, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. 
and of his kingdom. There will be no end. This was told from right from the beginning. Before Jesus is even born, the angel tells Mary, not only will I serve him as an angel, he will sit on the, the throne of the house of Jacob forever. Like forever and ever, this, this power, this ruling, this kingship of Jesus is there in the Christmas story. It's there now. It was there then. Jesus came to fulfill what was promised in the Old Testament to fulfill the roles of the Old Testament of prophet, of priest, and of king. And you might be wondering why there's a whiteboard here. It's because I feel like I'm not very good at, at uh, you know, drawing on a computer, but I can draw on a whiteboard fairly well. Let me move this. So the reason that prophet, the prophet, the priest, and the king are so important in the Old Testament is like I said, they all had roles to play, right? You had the prophet, you had the priest, and you had the king, okay? I don't feel like writing them all out, so hopefully we can understand prophet, priest, king. And each one of those roles held a specific job, right? We looked at that at the very beginning. The role of the prophet was to bring God's word to his people. The role of the priest was to provide purification from, for unholy people to be in God's holy presence, and the king was to rescue God's people and rule over them in wisdom and justice. All three of which were needed in order to connect us, to connect the people to God. Right? Without each and every one of these roles, there was no connection between people and God. There was no way to achieve that connection. And yet, as we... Uh-oh. Lost the mic. This is what happens. We're getting, we're getting loose with the mic cord and all. We're going down. But as Jesus came, he, right, he fulfilled not just one of these roles, but he fulfilled all three of these roles, being, becoming not just one-third of a bridge, but becoming the bridge itself to connect us to God, to be able to make it possible for us to be in relationship to God, not just have to jump through a list of do's and do nots, not just have to follow the letter of the law, but every minute detail of it in order to even potentially be in God's presence. Jesus fulfilled all three of these roles. He came in the Christmas story as a baby to fulfill the role of prophet, to fulfill the role of priest, to become the ruling forever and ever king so that we might be in relationship with him as he sits there as God himself. So hopefully amidst all the presents, all the decorations, all the cookies, all the stuff that inevitably floats to the top of our minds this Christmas season, hopefully we can remember that, that the reason, what's the, the cheesy, the reason for the season, right? I feel like it says it in a southern accent. That's how I read it. In a, I read it in a southern accent. Jesus is the reason for the season. I feel like that's how I hear it. But really, like, it's cheesy, it's a, it's a cheesy bumper sticker, but it's so true that ultimately, like, none of that stuff is going to last. None of that stuff that we get, that we use to decorate, uh, to, that we eat, that we get as gifts, none of that stuff will ever fulfill us. None of that stuff is, even plays a small role in connecting us 
to the God of the universe who loves us so much that he sent Jesus to be a bridge so that we might know him. That's why Christmas is so special. That's why what we celebrate in Advent, the coming to what Jesus came and lived and died for. Uh, so that's going to uh, do it for tonight. Um, we're going to go to small groups in a second. Um, but I did want to say that uh, as, as we wrap up here, um, that I know Amanda shared her news that she's leaving. But I feel like, feel like um, one more time, if we could just thank Amanda for all that she has done uh, on staff here. Um, like she said, she's, she's going to be around. She'll still be here leading. Uh, she's just not going to be on staff anymore, so, um, but we do appreciate all that she's done, so make sure you say thanks uh, to her uh, before you go tonight, but uh, let's pray, and then we'll head out for small groups one last time, 2023. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for coming to fulfill the role of prophet, the role of priest, the role of king, that you, that you came to allow us to connect to you, that you came to die on a cross to become a bridge so that we might be able to be in your presence, that we as unholy, unclean people might be able to stand before you, the holiest of holy gods. God, we love you and we thank you and we praise you for all that you have done and in this Christmas season, could you be with us and keep our eyes focused on what is most important, and that is you this holiday season. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. And all God's people said, amen.